Yeah, this is Faith Over Breakfast Season 2, Episode probably 45. Probably 45. Yeah, thank you. I guess a lot. This is a Faith Over Breakfast uh, live at the Village, where we're trying out our uh, sound studio, which has a few little echoes in it. I can hear. I'm sure it does. Uh, but anyway, here we are, and uh, we talked about heavy things like freedom of speech, mass shootings, yeah, what the gospel has to say to tragedy, how we as individuals can interact. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting across, by the way, from Andy. Hello, Pastor Andy. Uh, who is pastor of Mission Church. And, and we're uh, both in Tucson, Arizona. We are in Tucson, Arizona. So, so uh, important to say that. It is. That, well, I mean, if I were listening. No, it is. It is. Where, where are these voices coming from? We're talking to you on a Tuesday morning. You're listening to us whenever you want. You know? yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Homegrown model. Cool. Well, I like your church and I like our little studio here. This yeah, is cool. this is fun. So uh, now we have alternatives. We have options. We there. do. We can wow. do your studio, my studio. Man, sweet. This is cool. Well, um, hey, so I had some, uh, I had thrown you some ideas. I think I, I think I refined which one I want to talk about. That's fine. I'm not prepared for either. So great, great. Which is good because in case nobody, or in case our listener here has not heard uh, what we're trying to do, we're not trying to have a great um, mapped out discussion for you. We're trying to to show what it's like for two pastors who are friends to talk through something right over breakfast. So, I think yeah, the most research I've ever done for the show is maybe ten minutes. Right, same. Reading an article you sent me. <laughs> same, same, same. Yep. So uh, I did just finish my breakfast because I came from home. I actually live close. Yeah, I closer mean, closer to the village than to my own church. That's why we've been trying to recruit you. Uh huh. Well, I'm sure we could find a pastor from our church who lives closer to your church. I'm, that's probably true. And we could just swap. We're still talking matters of five to ten minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're it's not we're that big both of a deal. Pretty close. <laughs> but um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, so we're on the heels of a couple more mass shootings, and it's terrible to even talk like this but but the the Dayton mass shooting was actually marked you know the 250th in 250 days so that's essentially you know they weren't all in sequential but there have been one a day for the year um and so it is it's I think it's complicated I just heard a commentator on the radio say well this is a familiar scene talking about a mass shooting vigil it's sure. like i think everybody's getting to a point where it's like how i mean we you can't sound the alarm the same way 250 times straight like it, it something happens within your psyche where you go okay like we've seen this but but that's still that's not good there's when when the malaise hits and when you start to feel like this isn't new that's when you're talking about mass shootings that's not okay right right um and so i had thrown out hey we should 
maybe we should talk about something surrounding this guns or something. But we have talked about that before. You can dig back in our archive. Yeah, you can dig back in our archive. And, and we have talked about that. But what we haven't talked about that is connected to this that I'm not hearing a lot of people talk about on the radio is I mean, people are talking about this 8chan space, online space that's now been taken down. Um, but, but, but the principles behind it, I, I want to talk about that. Okay. So I think that's a let's, piece let's of this puzzle. Pause there and say, this is spelled eight. Number eight. Chan. Like Jackie. C-H-A-N. Yeah. And I knew nothing about it and did not research it. So I, you're going to have to fill me in. Okay. So I don't know a ton. Um, but, but what really intrigues me is the. Um, principle behind it. So there was a there was an online forum, probably still there, called 4chan, and it um, offered a lot of you know kind of unfiltered space to have discussions. And I think we have there's there's layers of this kind of there's Reddit right, and there's spaces where you can go and talk about things and and you won't be censored. And um, and this is. I mean, we're in Tucson, and we're the home of Bookman's uh, Book and Music Exchange, which you know has always been anti-censorship. Um, which I've even as a Christian appreciated because they were willing on their displays about censorship to put Bibles and say no censorship. We're not going to say you can't read a Bible, but we're also not going to say you can't talk about anything else. Right. So, so 4chan was started for that purpose, but had some. I, I suppose some ground rules because somebody decided um, that 8chan was necessary, which was even more free. Right. Um, and the discussions in there could be anything at all. I assume there's all sorts of sexual conversations. I assume there's all sorts of political conversations, but you're allowed to, to be on there. And, and say whatever you want. Say whatever you want and have whatever kind of discussion you want. And... Um, that the New Zealand shooter, um, you know, I, I remember hearing about 8chan back then because he put his manifesto on 8chan. Well, now our uh, El Paso shooter also um, has done something like that. And his the story with him is getting interesting. Um, I mean, I just seriously, before I got in here, heard that apparently he ended up at this Walmart on accident. I mean, I, I'm sure there a lot more investigation will come out, but his report was that he got lost in the neighborhood, um, was hungry, went into Walmart and then did what he did. And so that's confusing. Um, but he had posted something to HN, um, pretty soon before. So who knows what, how all that works. He, there's an intentionality and then there's a, sure. seems like he's kind of confused, but, um, but yeah. So what do you think if I, Let's just let's just talk about this principle of of uninhibited freedom of conversation. Because I think I mean what I'm hearing right now, and I and I listen to my my media intake leans left. Just honestly, I I, do, I don't listen to Fox. I'm listening to left left leaning, not far left, but left leaning radio at the moment. Um, but I'm hearing you know people are saying. Nobody's sad that 8chan just got taken down, right? Right. That this, so they're, I'm hearing left-leaning media saying that's not okay. That un, 
censored freedom. To me, that's new. That's a mm. new conversation to be hearing from left-leaning media. From left-leaning media. And, and yeah, what do you... Well, I mean, I don't think it's... I mean, the concept of free speech is not... I mean, It's, it's never not a been, left thing. No. No. But speech that is harmful to others has always not been allowed. Right. So right. now it's secret. And when it's secret, then it can... Or, I mean, it's not secret, but it, I didn't have access to it. I don't know how this works, but... Well, yeah. Anybody can access it? I can anybody could have accessed it. They're taken down now because something like a backing, insuring, some, some something was pulled out from under them um, because of liabilities. Yeah, it wasn't I'm because sure. of conviction, I'm afraid. Right. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, speech, the, I mean, gosh, I'm not an expert at this, but I know that I'm when you either. speak, when you speak that in a way that's going to create uh, harm to other people, then you're not allowed to make that kind of speech. You're not. Allowed. We've classified. There, there's a classification of free speech, but then there's a classification of hate speech. Hate speech. And that's, and and I think I think society wide, we're wrestling with where's the line. Yeah, where's the line in that? Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I think. Man, we're we're it's it's weird to me because I I remember in the eighties listening to the news and listening to all the shootings that were happening in Chicago uh-huh. and Philadelphia. This is like inner city violence. Inner stuff. city violence, but it was bad. Right. Oh, it was really bad. It was really really bad, and and it was creeping out into into yeah. suburbia and into schools, and that's why we were having metal detectors and clear right. backpacks and. Um, and I, and obviously maybe the, the massness of things is different. I don't, I don't know. I haven't looked at all the statistics. It seems like those shootings tended to be, um, drug and gang related shootings and there were innocent bystanders caught in the crossfire. Yes. Right. Like that was, they weren't random though. There was so-and-so is on my turf taking my business insulting my girl whatever drive-by shootings drive-by shootings like i'm gonna i'm gonna get rid of you one person for a reason a discernible reason right um that was didn't have to do usually with mm, i mean i'm guessing in this that there are there have been racially motivated killings but a lot of these were more like individual beef sure um and the the mass shooting is one where the goal is to kill people you do not know specifically and as many as possible to make a statement or something right. like that. I mean, that that's, I haven't read any real definition on it, but yeah, something to that effect. Well, and I think that a lot of these shootings come from people who feel powerless. Yeah. And I, this is an act of power. Yeah. I just read, a, I just, just uh, my buddy Ramon from Phoenix just posted an article that was it was an LA Times where they somebody who's done a lot of studies wrote an op-ed and said there were like four or five things that are always there and one is some kind of childhood trauma one is like a recent agitating event um, one was access to a weapon obviously um, but there were just some markers and and um, that the two that I don't remember I think there were five I'm remembering three but the two that stuck out were, were that childhood trauma and some kind of recent agitating event. Hmm. Yeah, and the thing is, I think we look at these things and we say, oh, hey, 
how do we solve this? And so we start talking yeah. about free speech. Sure. We talk about gun control. We talk about how these things, more better mental health. You right. know, we drag out right. these these things, um, and then we argue over them, and maybe we get a little change here and there. I think it's it's an obvious symptom of something much deeper. It's the fraying of our society. So I think that's one stream. I think the other thing is it's a, a mischaracterization of American society. Because I know, and these things I, I just have looked at statistically, partly because it irritates me when people put the, on Facebook, they stick the flags up of all the countries. Sure. and they. So if you take out, you know, the major cities of the U.S. Um, that are, you know, like Chicago, St. Louis, New York, L.A., you take those guys out of it. Like, the U.S. is the safest place to live in the world, almost. I mean, it's in the top ten. Um, but, but when it com- when it does come even to, to mass shootings, it's well, still... we're we're from what I can understand, when it comes to mass shootings, we are glaringly exponentially number one. Right. Yeah. The but tr- still, you're saying, despite that, still safer. Right. Safe. Than- so there's that issue. The other issue is that there's I, I, I we have a problem. Don't have me saying that. But right. the complexities of the problem, we can't look across the the, yeah. the the ocean and say, oh, this is how Europe has handled this. So this is how New Zealand or this, I mean, right. this is how Australia has handled it. They don't, no, culturally, we're so different. Agreed. And so we have to approach it differently. Yeah. Um, and so it's complicated. Yeah. And I think some of this is that we are the most powerful country in the world and we're in decline. And wealth, like our wealthiness, right. I think is actually our downfall. Sure. Like we are fraying, and money isn't solving our problems. True, and we're and we're beginning to lose power in the world, and we feel like we're losing. Many of us, and I feel like we're losing power in our own little domains. This right. is why you know. I, I mean, I think this is why Trump was elected sure however you feel about him oh yeah he gave you a sense of like the people who voted for him that we have like we have some power here we have a voice somebody's going to do something yes i think that was that was a thing i heard over and over was we're not sure what he's going to do he's a wild card but he's going to do something something and he and some yeah and that's what we need is just something anything right he's done some things Things have been done. Yeah, no, it's done. Yeah, and so I, I'm not really. I'm just sad, you know. I think about this morning. Here's an example, a real life example right. of how this impacts us. I went to go pick up a kid uh, to take him out to, to breakfast this morning. Right, he's nine years old. Right, he refused to go with me. Yeah, because he was afraid of being shot. Yeah, that's a, a direct impact. I have another, there's another woman in our church and her brother committed suicide because he, his child was in the Sandy Hook massacre. Yeah. Um, so I, I understand, like, it's, it, it hurt, it hits real people. It yeah. affects kids who don't understand all of it. Well, we had, yeah, we had a friend, little friend over yesterday, neighborhood kid, and he and Abby got very scared that somebody was outside and, like, so sure somebody was creeping around the house and then I showed up and they kind of creepy, you know, popped out of the door and, you know, and I, and I, they made me search the house and, uh, and I, you know, I don't know, I don't know that my daughter was watching the new, I don't know if she's, she might've known this was going on, but I was wondering in my head, I went, I wonder how much of this 
is because of this fear, you know, this, the scary thing that gets yeah. in the news that, um, so there's, yeah, no, there's all kinds of, uh, of those impacts. I mean, I know, I know we're not going to solve it and I know we're not going to find, uh, a, a specific stream to make sense of it or anything it is. And it is sad. And I don't want to just jump on the bandwagon of talking about it. I mean, there's a reason like as a church, I, 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 I feel weird about like putting up a post, you know, like pray for El Paso yes. or whatever, because that just feels like such a weak, ineffective way of engaging. It, it feels like, it feels like, and gosh, you know, I have friends who did, right? Like put up this post, but it, it feels like this is me engaging, but not, you know, like right. trying to look like I'm, I'm engaging. So I, I'm, I'm very reticent to, to just do a, you know, have a conversation right now. that's just like, Ooh, let's, let's yeah. capitalize on this event. But, yeah. but it did, you know, it just, the eight chan thing made me think, cause I went, that's, that's an interesting factor in all this is like free speech. And so I guess I was just like my friend, Eric, I want to talk to you about <laughs> like, free speech, like uh... what, like why do we, yeah. Like where did we get this value? as a society, how do we as pastors think about it? Um, you know, how would we guide our people in their exercise of free speech? Um, you know, stuff like that. I, but, but I, I don't think we're going to solve the mass shooting no, I don't problem think so. at all or but, come up with the key. Well, and I think when I think, okay, yeah, we could talk about the free speech thing, but one of the things that, really maybe would be helpful to the people that listen to this podcast is what, what actually is the church's response to this? Yeah. And one of the good, things, good point. Yeah. And one of the things you said, uh, in your text that I thought was interesting, well, I mean, you just tacked on racism and I think a lot of these seem relatively racially driven. Yeah. These, these shootings that we're having, especially and, El Paso. Yeah, and so well, of the two, yeah, yeah. And, and so I, I think there's an issue there that we can talk about. Mm -hmm. um, I also think the reality of this world and its brokenness is that violence will be present, and our culture is never gonna. We're not gonna overcome this, right? Right. There is no gonna, There's no. There's no perfect space to be in. But we are in a unique. I, I guess like I agree with you, but I would say I could hear friends saying, and I would agree with them and saying, look, um, yeah, we're never going to overcome every problem, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of countries and spaces where it's not the same as what we're dealing with here. And we do need to do something about that. Like, let's just, I'm just saying outside of just church, so, oh, so I, mean, I want I, to. I, I agree. Engage. So we need to people. do something. Um, what is that something? Right. Uh, that that uh, I think we have a very misguided community, and I, and I say that carefully when it comes to dealing with these issues because I think we tend to as either as followers of Jesus, let's say in you and your more left leaning progressive followers of Jesus who want to be more activist oriented. Sure seem to think that somehow you can fix it. Yeah. And and I, I just, I, I don't, from policy 
to and, and I'm not saying changing policy can't make life better for some people. Right. I was gonna say, like, don't please don't say, like, don't engage with any of that because there's something to that. There is something, but yeah. if that becomes the end to what you're doing, and if you right. believe that that's the gospel and not Agreed. just part of everyday life, and because what I, I yeah hear, policy and engaging with your society is just everyday life. Yes. Yeah. I, I have a hard time when people start saying this is, and also prescribing that this is the way all Christians should should move and act. That right. we all should now stop and begin to think through how we are going to deal with this one problem. I, I look, this is a horrible thing, right? But there is, I'm actually pretty powerless to do anything about Dayton and right. El Paso. What I am power have power to do is pray. I have the power to minister to the people who are impacted by it. And as God presents opportunities to speak, I have to figure out how that happens. Like what? Yeah. Because these are all symptoms of something much deeper in all of us. Yeah, yeah. And and then there's and you're not just powerless in Dayton and, and uh El Paso. You're powerless in a in Tucson, which is a small city of a I'm million. powerless in my little neighborhood. Right. At home. At home. Like you're you can't control so the f- the few people under your roof. Like, so let me put two ideas can, forward, yeah. and have you kind of dismantle them, oh, okay. <laughs> or or add to them. So number one, like Paul's pretty clear in Galatians um, that we are no longer you know male female, Greek or Jew. Um, there, there's this concept that we now find our identity in Christ. This is in in the church as Christians. As as followers of Jesus, which is interesting to me because it means that we don't belong to a nation. Right. But we are actually, and Peter tells us this, that we're actually sojourners in a nation. Mm -hmm. And in some ways. We're we're part of a kingdom. Yes, we're part of a kingdom. And it also goes on to tell us that we're not a race. Right. And I'm not saying we should eliminate race. What I'm saying is it actually helps us understand race better because if I believe that I am now part of one race, the race of Christ, then I can better listen and better repent of my own race's sin. Because it's not my core identity. Right. And listen to your agony from from the the damage of whatever whatever I've done in your racial identity without it being what my community has done, without it being... like you said, an identity issue. So part of it allows us to listen without being defensive um, and to to really validate where people are and what they're struggling with and understand their plight. For us, I think that means immigrants. It means the African-American community. Like these two are big groups of people who are struggling to keep their head above the water and struggling in a, in a culture that has a lot of racism in it and a lot of ghettoizing of people. Well, and there's, and, and I want to, you know, make sure to, to say like, there's, there's so many groups of people. So, I mean, another, you know, people with, with mental health issues mental health and issues, stuff like yes. that, which interestingly is in the news. And so it's like, you can condemn that all day, you know, or know them. Right. How about that? Like, right. And and that's hard, and that's going to be like to to get really get to know two people with mental illness like severe is might be your life's work. Yeah, and and I think that that's the and that's the point I want. Yeah, our life's work sometimes is just a few people, right? 
And yeah, I can I can vote in a way that might change policy in a way that I think it should be changed. But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean I'm going to find myself on the, an, as an activist in all the different activist places. If that makes any sense. So watch what I'm going to do. Those bubbles are just mesmerizing to me. There's bubbles on Eric's screen. So look, watch this. I'm going to I'm going to pull a really great pastor move and bring it back to what I was trying to talk about I'm the sorry. whole time. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm no, look, this is clever. I'm trying to say okay. watch this. Okay, look. I'm watching. So, um that whole a few people at a time. So what what that makes me think is within the church, we have to say, look, like this is a community like I mean, and I'm I mean community as in our church community-wide responsibility. This is a community as far as national the whole the church of our nation the church of the world like this falls on we have to all be doing our little part Mm -hmm. like and taking care of a couple people Mm -hmm. um and then if you think in like human humanity um you know if, if we're trying to have a conversation to our nation as just citizens similarly it's i mean you can you can throw rocks at the politicians you can do it, but it's like, what are you doing yourself with a couple people to stem the tide? Like, what what are you doing? Interestingly, that I think is in tension with a, a strong desire we have to not be controlled or yeah. told what to do, yeah. and to have freedoms of things like yeah. speech and action, and we want to be. I think there's this tension that we have, especially in American society of I'm free. I, I, I don't have to, you know, I'm not, I'm not responsible to everybody else. It's me first. And then this, this thing where it's like, well, all these terrible things are happening. Who's dealing with that? And the answer is, what are you doing? But, but if you're going to take that responsibility on, it can't be me first. Right. It can't be, I am free to do whatever I want, say whatever I want. Actually, if you want to be a part of the solution to anything, like so let's say let's go let's go far right for a second. If you think the immigration is the problem and yada yada yada, like you know, like maybe like work on a real meaningful, like get into some like don't don't kill people. Like try try to actually think through what could I mean, and you're going to get utterly confused and overwhelmed because it's an unsolvable problem because you're not gonna you know you're not gonna fix nations where people are trying to flee and so on but but like i don't know there's this tension between like really taking responsibility and wanting freedom right and i think wanting freedom uh, sometimes leads people to taking the easy way out which is criticizing or hurting or lashing out or something yeah rather than difficult engagement which is knowing people and looking them in the eye and suffering with them and so so you know well, how do we move people how how do we encourage people well because i think it's and here's my problem it's so much easier easier to get on facebook and be philosophical yep. about how things are and the way things should be different and how the church needs to act differently but, or the society or whatever. Or society. But sure. I, you know, a lot of times for my little community of followers of Jesus that in, in the village and outside of the village, what I hear is that the church needs to act differently and it needs to stop associating with Donald Trump and it needs to do this and it needs to do that. And it's an embarrassment here and it's an embarrassment there, um, which I know is, you know, there are it, some of those things are true, but 
all these people most of the time are doing are judging and attacking. They're not doing anything. Right. They're not, that I can see. They're not entering into relationship with their Trump-supporting Christian brother or sister to understand where they're coming from and hear their story and why they're scared and what, yeah. And the other thing is, when we planned the village, and, and maybe you have this idea too, but when we planned the village, I went and sat down with a prominent social worker in Tucson who worked for CPS at the time, which doesn't exist anymore because something else now, but um, child protection yeah. um, services. And I said, what, what does the church do? Like, how can we be, actually be helpful instead of, you know, causing problems? Right. And she said, stop volunteering, at, you know, at the soup kitchens. Stop being activists. Stop, you know, the political thing. Go find a single mom, right? Make her burden your burden. Go find that one homeless person, make his burden. Take find one person struggling with their sexual identity and walk along with them and make their struggle your struggle. Make the individual struggle your burden to the point where you become needy and need them and they need you. And then you're changing the world. Because the other things they're not really changing the world. Yes, we need somebody to put some soup in a bowl, but that's not the important thing. A single mom needs someone to watch their kids. She needs someone to help them, her get her car fixed because she only has one and it doesn't run well. Like right. you, It requires a whole community of people saying, we're going to make your burden ours so that you can offer us something good and we can offer you something good. And and that's and that could be just that one person is your mission in life. Yeah. Um, you know, inviting people into your home whom you're not comfortable with, both politically, socially, mm-hmm. and and sitting at table and eating and getting to know them and have relationship with them. That's what changes the world. I do think policies change the world, but that's not necessarily the thing. When I look at the way Jesus walks, when I look at the way that Paul walked, John, Peter, they are not policy people. No. There's nowhere in Scripture where they're saying, if these policies change— they now, they, they say these things in the church need to change right. policy-wise <laughs> in the community of God, but not in the political world. They say, no, no, don't act like the world. Don't become an, don't be an animal. Don't live in the – and right. Paul just calls you an animal if you're outside of the church. You're He's, an animal. He does. He says right. you're given to your, your – just your base need. Right. And we I mean, th- at the same time, though, I agree with you, but there's a reason that – even in the New Testament, it's affirmed that you're supposed to pray for your, you know, for your leaders nationally and that yes. you're supposed to, submit. you know, submit to them because, like, they're not worthless. Right. So they 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 still do shape the environment w- in which you live. Mm-hmm. And they and in so doing, they completely, you know, shape the way that the church is going to engage with the culture. And and so they're not ultimate. But there's, but God is involved in their lives too, and mm-hmm. in their sphere too. Yes. And so sometimes when the church spreads or disperses and and st- it's through the the actions the, of a yeah political system, and it doesn't mean they're good actions. Like sometimes they're they're you know kicking the Christians out of Jerusalem is exactly what spreads the kingdom. Right. And so I'm not saying it's always going to go well for you when that yes. happens. Yeah, no. But there's still but it still matters. It does matter. I, yeah. I totally agree. Right. So that's I don't know. I just want to be Well, no, and I think that is to, that is the order in scripture is that yeah. we pray. Yeah. 
And not just, dear God, please help Trump, but that we pray fervently for his marriage, for leading our, our country, for the Congress, for the way they're making decisions. I mean, honestly interceding for them. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think that changes our hearts. So I, I guess for me, I'm like, I don't even, maybe where I come out and you can talk about this, I don't know what it looks like for the church outside of one person at a time. No, I, you know, like, and, and well, I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm open. I just don't know what it looks like. Yeah, I think, I think I don't either, but maybe I do. But like, what I would say would be one person at a time, in which space. So like, um, you know, so I'm fumbling through some stuff with, interestingly, like some policy that's going to affect our neighborhood. So I was in a meeting the other day where there was a discussion and I'm, I'm wrestling with this right now. So there's a discussion about an impoverished trailer park in our, in our neighborhood, right? Our church's neighborhood. And from a business development standpoint, it is, it was very easy to go. That's no good. And I found myself thinking that way too. Like, well, it's kind of, it's like a problem, yeah. you know? And it, and it is, it's a slumlord situation. That is a problem. But then it's filled with people who are living there for a reason. It's either the the last resort. And we almost helped a family move in there because they had trashed their rental record, which had to do with mental illness, and now they can't get anywhere. And this type of place is the place that lets you. So that you could be homeless or you could live here. Which will it be, right? And you want a roof over here. You want a roof over it. And, and it's to everyone's advantage that this, these people not be on the street, by the way, because... I just had some friends in South Tucson who had to call in a situation where people were just out in a field and, you know, leaving needles and different stuff like that. And now your kids can run around in that field and step on those. And it matters. Like if, if those people had a house, even though their life isn't fixed, there's a certain containment that occurs. But, but it's interesting that you dealing with one person in a sense. Well, right, right, right. This is what I'm, yeah, this is what I'm getting at is like, so I'm a part of these conversations that sure. do impact more people, but those conversations are still with a small group of individuals. Yes. And so my, you know, and what I'm, I'm struggling with, how do I continue to engage with this? Well, those individuals who have power are people who I can deal with one person at a time. Yes. Right. Now that will have major trickle down effect on other people. Yes. Um, and so, so th- you know, I think the same is true. I, I th- I'm very grateful for faithful Christians who are in government. Yes. But I also think that they're dealing with one person at a time. Yes. So that's where I would say, like, I th- I don't know how to not do it that way, but also I think that those one person at a times when you deal with people who are stewarding over other people, right. it affects well, larger groups. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the thing, here's here's where I'm kind of coming from. Is I think a lot of times we want to play armchair person, right. armchair captain. But when you get out there and you are following Jesus, loving one another as Christ loved us and loving the your neighbor, yep. like, and you're emptying yourself, all of a sudden opportunity after opportunity to engage in the system to understand what's happening 
is presented to you. And then you do get inspiration and you become a social worker or a probation officer or you run for office or you you then begin to say, oh, I can act in the system. I can begin to proclaim the gospel here. But if you sit at home and talk about philosophically how everything is broken, you don't get anywhere and you don't do anything. And actually, you don't get to see what Jesus is doing because honestly, yes, I do believe Jesus is sitting next to you in the armchair, but he's... He's waiting for you to get up out and go do something because he's already out there doing things. Right. He just wants you to be part. Yeah. And, and 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 how that narrative works, I don't know. And your version of part yeah. is the the possibilities are endless. But but I guess like you're I mean, I especially hear you saying if you're not willing to get in there, right, then keep your mouth shut. Right. I mean <laughs> Well, basically, yeah, or? I, I, yeah. Well, here's my thing. I and maybe this is just kind of recent in conversations I've had in my church, but I think the village is probably one of the most activist-oriented churches I've ever been in, and it has no activist programs, right? But I know it goes to people's mental health appointments. I know that when you know people go to court, we're there. I know it buys cars, multiple cars for people who don't have cars. Right. It babysits kids who, from yeah. single moms. Like, I can go on and on. It, it hangs out with kid, you know, men who don't have fathers. I, I can go on. It adopts right. teenagers that nobody wants and, and fosters. Right. We can go on and on and on about this. But no programs and nobody brags about it. Nobody says anything. We, we just do it. This is an interesting thing that has come up within our community. I think will continue to is so somebody will have a passion, right? Like a thing and they want it to be everybody's passion and thing and want to have our church do that. Right. Whatever it is. And that the interesting thing is like, then it becomes actually, that's what would kill it. Yes. That's what would absolutely destroy your passion for it. Because if it becomes the church program and it's run by like me and two other people, <laughs> it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. It's not going to be like, it's kind of like we all need to band together, you know, and go look like if this, if you are passionate about foster care, you should do foster care and we'll walk with you as friends and help you do foster care. Meanwhile, person over here is is actually really convinced that it's being on the business association like i i i didn't realize how much responsibility was going to come with going to those stinking meetings but it turns out it's actually pretty important stuff and so that's where i'm feeling pretty called never i didn't pin myself as doing that in the future but i can't do that and everything else, but I can do that. And maybe a couple people walk with me there, but it doesn't need to be a church program of being on the business association. We don't all have to be on the business association. We right. shouldn't all be on the business association. No. And then um, there's going to be the person who says, I, I really, I care about people who just have doubts. Well, we can't, we're not going to make an all church program about doubts for doubters. Like we're not going to be an all doubting church, right? Like, because <laughs> You need some people who aren't doubting sometimes, like right. to walk with people who are, right? So <laughs> for a doubters only church, then that's not good. Um, and uh, and if we're just like, but if our whole church is um, always, you know, fixing people's houses constantly and nobody just prays or sits and listens to people, that's not good. No. And if we all pray and sit and listen to people and nobody ever gets out and fixes the sink, that's not good. So we kind of need this band of people in which God has 
agitated individuals in different directions and we all walk and help each other do whatever those things are. So if we go full circle though, and we come back to, there were two mass shootings, right? People lost sons, daughters, moms and dads. And we do need something as a community to be able to say, yeah, what, what do we, what do we say? People in Arizona, we got two churches. I think yeah. probably let's just say between the two churches, it totals 250 people. Ish, what are we sure. saying? Ish, what are we saying to those 250 people? Right. I mean, one thing I would say is and we've had one here. It's been a little bit. Yes, it's been a while. But be ready because I happened to be going to one of the churches at the time where we had family members there. Mm. Right. And so be be ready to support people in tragedy. Yeah. Whatever it is. Like, you know, like be that support system because something will happen yeah. at some point. And you're not going to prepare for that the day it happens. You've got to be that kind of person. Um, you've got to know Jesus so that you and Jesus can sit with somebody yeah. when it happens. So there's that. And then I think something I've heard – you know, several times that I think is really helpful is like, it's not just that the church isn't just in damage control. Like we're proactive because we're involved in the lives of people. So you don't know what impact you're having on single mom and her kid that might, I mean, you know, what if you could do like a, I don't know, you know, like strip all the churches away and and strip your church away. Let's pull the village out of the world, okay. right? And what person that the village serves would have ended up in despair and done a terrible thing had the village not been here? And so knowing that, it's like engage with people who aren't doing anything crazy and love them and walk with them yeah. so that they can be healed and not have to do this. Right. That that would be another thing. So So don't think that like the only... I mean, because we all look at these people, right? We look at the people who did this and go, oh, where was their community? And like the people there, you know? So be that community to the people in your right. area. Right. Um, and, and, and terrible things will still happen. Right. And I, and I right. would say all those things, and I would add one yeah. other thing. I think that the church still has to have a prophetic voice. Mm-hmm. And I think the prophetic voice isn't, well, Donald Trump does X, Y, and Z, or you know, whatever it is that you agree with or disagree right. with, it, it is saying, "Hmm, I'm looking around at the the community of Christ on both ends of the spectrum." Let's say, mm-hmm. and and I need to say, over here, there are some people who are associating with power in a way that is not the way of Jesus, mm-hmm. and over here, there are people who are using their judgment at a level that is visceral and, and, and destructive to the community of God. And these two things have to stop if we're going to actually be the people of God in the world. Sure. Um, and I think we can say that because it is hurting people the way the church is acting on both ends yeah. of late. That the church is conflicted with itself, mm-hmm. and instead of following the way of Jesus in love and forbearance and long-suffering, right. And, and you know the thing that was struck yesterday in a conversation about some of this was the only way I can offer something good to anyone who's in any kind of tragedy is 
being able to acknowledge that I have a need right. and that I'm weak and that I am in need of help and, and kindness and gentleness and that I've only way to find that is in Jesus. Like yeah. I can't, and that's, I, I, people are like, well, that's a trait, but no, it, it isn't like it's the only place I've been able to find peace. Right. And that's the only way I can offer peace to anybody else. I can't outside of Christ. I have nothing other than this was stupid and you should go hurt somebody right. like outside of Christ. Like I got, I have nothing. There's nothing. And, and so I feel like the only way I can offer something good is to be like, okay, I need the peace of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is messy. I don't, oh, we didn't yeah. talk about free speech that much, but I'm yeah. not an expert at it. <laughs> other I mean, you than just, you're exercising. It, other than we're exercising it right now at some level. I mean, uh, the only coming back to free speech thing, I, I, I actually, I would say, um, the question isn't, you know, I guess, so, you know, th- this comes up. So imagine in your community, somebody has some real frustrations with somebody else in your church and, and they go, look, you know, I, I don't want to be inhibited from saying what I feel. Right. And they come to church and they go, look, you're, you're stupid. And, right. You know, and I don't like, I don't like the way you do anything and look at you, gosh, look at you. Um, and then, you know, what would I, I would say to that, like, okay, you, you are not going to make any, like your exercising of your freedom isn't helping this situation. It's not helping you, you know, it's not helping them. It's not doing anything. It's because it isn't being done in love and care. So you may have these thoughts and you may not want to be inhibited, but if you want to do something of productive nature, just venting your feelings isn't isn't going to be a good path. Um, you you might need to take a thought, a feeling, and submit it to someone else. Submit right. it to Christ. Right. That's how I would deal with it here. Right. So in a I think society wide, we, we know that something of that nature needs to happen. And I guess I would, maybe what I'm thinking is, I mean, I, I would, I would invite friends to consider, um, what could govern a society to know when to limit its speech? Um, you know, does the right tell the left when to do it? Does the left tell the right when to do it? Does the president tell us all when to do it? Does the next most, you know, loud, convincing person who will be president tell us when to do it? Right. How, you know, how exactly would that work? In in the Christian community, I have a clue how that works. You submit it to God and, you know, your freedom is, uh, is subject to to God. Right. You are free to be a slave. Yeah. As Romans tells us. Right. <laughs> to, but to enslave ourselves to Christ. To Christ. The great judge. Right. And I know how to answer that question in the church. Yes. Um, I don't think our society knows how to answer that question. It's trying to answer that question. Um, 
how would you answer that question for, I mean, I, I think like kind of what I'm saying is like, don't you see you need more than the society? Don't yeah. you see you need more than the country? Right. Um, to ever stem this tide. So I don't know. Well, and that's the thing. Usually I, I, as an individual, I'm always asking the question, okay, Jesus, what are you asking me to do? Right. What is it? What, what in this situation, what am I called? What's am I called to just say, man, I'm going to pray for these people because it's got to be brutal for them. Right. And I want to intercede and lift them up to you. And I know God sees them and knows them, but he need, but, but part of relationship with God involves me interceding because he's asked me to mm. for them. And that's, that's where I'm at right now. If it were to happen in my neighborhood, I would be in the blood and in the mess right. with the people. Right. And maybe for some other person who's heard this, it means you get on a plane and you fly over and you begin to offer the services that you have to the people who've been injured. Right. Or you, open your checkbook and write a check to the people who need a place which is what most their provider which is in these situations what most organizations say they actually need is probably less volunteers on the ground that they have to manage but just more money give money to the organization that's actually there which is what i'd be if a if a tragedy like this happened in your church's neighborhood i would be telling people the village is going to be stretched thin you know, and, and the surrounding social organizations. So give money to one of them right. or to the one who will distribute it or right. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So they can support these people who are going to need it. So, yeah. Yep. Well, that's an interesting podcast. Okay. Different. Yeah. <laughs> it went meandered all over the place. It did meander all over the place. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean. I think that's what maybe what we would have, if we'd sat down to breakfast, which we've, we sat down right after, yeah. um, maybe that's what we would have talked about. So yeah. there you go. That's what this podcast is about. So thanks for tuning in.